Okay, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, and uh, we're doing another weekend wrap-up on a Monday evening with our favorite guest of all time, Jason Cameron. How's it going, buddy? It's going really good. It's going really good. It's a little cold out there today. A little bit of snow. That was surprising. That was sure a shock this morning. Yeah, I I had heard there was supposed to be a bit of snow, but um, most people didn't. And so waking up to that was big shock because we're not used to that around here. No, we are not. And for good reason, because we're on the West Coast. We, we don't want to see snow like ever. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say ever. I should say there's one day that I will allow snow to fall. Christmas. Yeah. And then after Christmas is done, it can go away. Go away, yeah. I don't mind it up on the mountains, you know. You can go and visit if you want to, but uh, in the city, it just causes chaos and havoc, and uh, it sucks to walk around in. And yeah, so no fun. I'm not a snow guy. Forget that. I, I live in this city, so I don't have to deal with snow. Uh, rest of Canada could be blanketed, but screw that. Uh, this is a, a good city because it doesn't really ever snow. Yes, it, it's a perfect city for that. That's that's why I like it too. It's supposed to be warm always yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's um yeah we're gonna get into football talk ufc talk nba talk as usual but uh the biggest news in our city vancouver bc canada is the canucks have cleaned house eight years of the jim benning era has come to a close uh many years with travis green behind the bench and uh it was not working. They were last in their division last year, and they uh, have tumbled to the bottom again this year. Uh, not good. So fired uh, Jim Benning, Travis Green, and in comes Stan Smeal, interim GM, uh, Canucks legend. The Sedins are going to be uh, having a lot of say now. And Bruce Brudro, uh, the new coach. Uh, what do you think of the uh, – Little clip that I showed you of Brew Drode today uh, with his motivational talk in the dressing room. No nonsense, Bruce Boudreaux. I, I I loved it actually. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, he was calling his team a bunch of crybabies and stop crying and play. Yeah. Play harder if you want to win. Yeah. Maybe that's exactly what the Canucks mean. Maybe they've been coddled so much. Yeah. That they forgot that, hey, hey, at the end of the day, we're actually professionals here. And we're supposed to be giving our all or playing as a team yeah. or like winning. Well, OK, a lot of those things they can't do yet. But hopefully the culture can change. And Bruce Boudreaux and Stan Smeal, along with the Steens, they can bring into the Canucks a winning, uh, winning culture. Because clearly what they had before wasn't working. No, no, it was. It was really bad, and and basically uh, the end was uh, the Canucks uh, fans were chanting fire Benning on Saturday night as they were losing to the Penguins 4-1, to and a fan threw his jersey, took his jersey off, threw it on the ice, and said, that's it, I'm done with this team. And it's amazing that, honestly, probably that jersey toss changed the whole entire makeup of the Canucks team and they make some massive changes. Uh, I think a lot of people are really happy with that guy for finally throwing that nail in the coffin and tossing his Jersey probably cost him 200 bucks, but uh, saved a lot more grief for this fan base here. 
Yes, it did. And it saved him some grief, too, because now that he's free of being a Canucks fan, <laughs> he can pick a winner. Uh, good for you, buddy. Good for you. Sure. But also, too, um, I, I think the owners, the Aquilinis, were kind of like, okay, yeah, we want to win now. So we're just going to change everything, yeah. which is a, probably a good idea because, again, whatever they were trying to do, which well, I have a question mark on, and so does the rest of the fan base. We don't know what they were trying to do, but it, was, it wasn't working. Whatever yeah. they were trying to do wasn't working. Sure wasn't. Uh, it was tough. Yeah. So they have so much potential. You thought uh, this was going to be a great year and uh, they just have just fallen flat coming out of the gate. It's been tough, uh, you know, to be our, our main professional team here. Uh, you know, uh, you, you know, the radio waves uh, are always talking about the Canucks or talking about Canucks everywhere you go. And uh, when the team is terrible like this, it's, it's hard to be around this city, so um, let's hope things change. Uh, we are currently in the uh, fourth quarter in the Monday Night Football game. Week 13 of the NFL ends tonight, and it's a big divisional week. Uh, this is a big divisional battle, and uh, the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills in really, really tough conditions. Uh, crazy enough, the uh, Patriots first 43 plays, uh, one pass, 42 runs. Uh, they've decided they do not want to throw the ball at all. Uh, gusts up to 50 to 55 miles an hour. Wind is 25 to 35 miles an hour left to right. Temperature is 36 degrees. Feels like 23. So uh, for uh, people north of the border here, that's about uh, minus 12, something like that uh frigid conditions but crazy they're not even uh really attempting to throw the ball buffalo has been but patriots just threw that right out the mix and said no we're not we're not throwing the ball we're just going to run it the whole entire game well yeah i think i think billy look at look at bill look at that hoodie yeah yeah, yeah still not smiling anyways so bill is just probably figuring to himself i got a young quarterback i'm gonna need to protect him so you know what we'll just run the ball yeah, like always, the whole time, yeah. every play is a run. <laughs> must be must be easy on the Bills' defensive scheme. You know, they just don't even have to bother in pass coverage. Just, just get you know, stop the run, stop the run. But New England's winning. They're eight and four, uh, top of the division, uh, half a game ahead of Buffalo. They're winning fourteen ten, and Buffalo's marching right now. We'll see what happens. But they just missed a field goal. Uh, you said aim to the left, aim to the left, and he didn't, and he missed right. So uh, you saw it. He didn't. I don't know how. Yeah, yeah, because, like, I saw it with the, the Patriots kicker when he hit his field goal. He hit it straight to the left, and the wind pushed it into the middle. Like, you know, like, it. Yeah. It's I, I don't know. It's simple physics for me, <laughs> but I guess it was hard for that kicker. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, not cool. Yeah, yeah. You'd think he'd be looking at the other guy and trying to gauge the wind conditions and put his finger up and get yes. a little test. Uh, but no, that was a that was a horrible miss. But uh, Buffalo's marching. Three forty-five left. We'll give you a couple more updates. I'm sure uh, before the end of this. Uh, Mac Jones has thrown his, or he has completed his second pass. He's got 19 yards through the air for the entire game. Um, Damian Harris is the big recipient of the 
ball on the ground, 10 carries, 111 yards with TD. Uh, and Stevenson has 22 carries for 74 yards. So, but uh, yeah, crazy. Uh, Patriots uh, looking for their, uh, what is it, seventh win in a row here? Yeah, yeah, but that in itself is crazy. Yeah. Never thought we'd be at a point at all in this season where we'd be talking about the Patriots coming up on their, possibly their seventh win. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, they'd be a top team in the AFC if they can pull off this win. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, yeah, as I said, we'll keep some updates. So, so week 13, uh, it was basically rivalry week. They had many divisional games. Uh, Chiefs and Broncos, Ravens, Steelers, Colts and Texans, Hawks, Niners, Vikings, Lions, Bucks and Falcons, and this game here. Uh, I love those rivalry games. Uh, usually a lot of fun to watch and uh, a lot of animosity. Uh, you know, they dig up a lot of stats out of all the matchups they've had over the years. Uh, usually this is a really fun weekend. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's a great weekend because it's like uh, all that animosity, all that stuff comes out for this week, uh, for this weekend. And then, you know, they go after each other yeah. and it makes for great games. Usually. Yeah. yeah, usually really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's turn to the NFC like we normally do. Uh, top team in the league and has been for most of the season, Arizona Cardinals. Sitting at ten and two, uh, Kyler Murray finally returned after a three-game absence and the bye week. Uh, helped Arizona to a 33-22 win. Um, topped the NFC West, NFC Conference. Uh, Kyler didn't throw too much. I guess um, they were holding him back a little bit, but he had two D, two TD passes and two D uh, runs himself. Uh, James Conner had a big game. And DeAndre was back as well. Um, great to see him uh, recovering a little bit from his hamstring injury. Only had two catches, 32 yards, but he had a TD. Um, I can't believe uh, Arizona was so good without Kyler, but he's back now. 10-2, and two, uh, looking like they are the front runners big time for that bye and maybe uh, a straight shot to the you know NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. Yeah, they look fantastic they looked great against the bears it was great that murray and hopkins were able to make their triumphant return for a win and uh yeah murray they didn't have him pass too much but he still looked sharp 11 and 15 123 yards two touchdowns and like you said he got two touchdowns on the ground himself super dangerous on his uh with his legs as well um they couldn't have asked for a better return for both players they couldn't have and uh, their defense stepped up big time, uh, picked off Andy Dalton four times on Sunday. Uh, Chicago was relying heavily on David Montgomery, uh, but uh, yeah, probably Andy Dalton's worst game. And that's saying something because he's had some bad games out there, but uh, that Arizona defense stepping up huge and getting four picks. Yeah, yeah, the, their defense stepped up huge, very much limited the Bears offense. And, uh, yeah, with that being said, the Bears were never really in it, not not in this particular game. Uh, Cardinals had complete control and were, in my opinion, never really threatened. Yeah. Uh, the Cardinals 
battle the division rival Rams one week from tonight, Monday night football. So uh, that'll be a huge uh, division game to look forward to. Um, those, those teams always battle it really hard and especially lately. Yeah. 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 That that's, that'll be the marquee matchup for sure. Coming going forward with those two teams getting after it, getting after each other. Uh, looking forward to seeing that game. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Rams, uh, they uh, had a great seven and one start, uh, three straight losses. I'm back to seven and four now, but uh, they got a great recipe for breaking that streak. Uh, had Jacksonville Jaguars come to town. They were able to stomp them 37 to seven. Stafford had a great game. Sony Michelle filling in for Henderson uh, had a huge game as well. Uh, Cooper Cup, as always, eight catches, 129 yards and a TD. Um, lots of weapons there for the Rams and uh, really easy victory over the Jags. Yeah, uh, the Rams defense dominated the dominated the Jags, holding them to under 200 yards and uh, forced two turnovers. And uh, what can I say about the Jags? Okay, I guess I did. I, I just said it. Uh, nothing. There, there's nothing. Now, it really yeah. isn't. Lawrence is still going to struggle. He doesn't have the weapons. He's a rookie, and he's kind of running for his life back there with a somewhat porous offensive line. So, yeah, he's he's doing his best, but he can't do much with what he's got. No, sure can't. Yeah, it's tough there, really rough. Uh, okay, we got 2.15 left. Uh, Bills are marching. Ooh. Third and nine. Uh, it'll be a four-down territory here. Run it. Run it. They'll probably be able to get two plays off before the two-minute warning. Uh, ball tried sailed. For, tried for digs there in the end zone, but yeah, it looks like the ball's sailing with the wind. Yeah. Well, he's get. He's just gonna have to be perfect. You know, that's all he's got to do. Yeah. He's gonna have to Montana this thing in. You know. Let's see what Josh Allen does here. Third and nine from the thirteen-yard line. Oh, oh and there's a penalty. Flag on the play. Ah, okay, we touched, we've already touched on the NFC West. Uh, let's talk about the other two teams. The Hawks mm. and Niners faced each other. Uh, Seahawks uh, were able to uh, beat the Niners like they usually do, 30-23. Uh, Hawks have been reeling big time, but uh, nice big victory for them, 30-23 win over the Niners and uh, hopefully getting back on track a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it was nice that the Seahawks managed to get this win. Um, they did a lot of things right in this game. Wilson actually had a good game, 30, 37, 231 yards, two touchdowns. And uh, uh, AP, uh, uh, Adrian Peterson actually had a touchdown this game. I, I like, I just love pointing out that, you know, he can still run the ball, still getting touchdowns. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Lockett also had a touchdown in this game. Uh, but basically the reason why the 49ers lost this game, because they had too many turnovers, and that's what cost them the game. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you mentioned Adrian Peterson. That was his 126th touchdown in his career. Tied Jim Brown on the all-time list. Jerry Rice still top of the list with 208 touchdowns. Emmett Smith, 175. Then 
Ladanian Tomlinson, 162. Randy Moss, 157. Terrell Owens, 156. Marcus Allen, 145. Marshall Falk, 136. Chris Carter's in there, 131. Marvin Harrison, 128. Jim Brown and Adrian Peterson, both tied at 126. Just past Walter Payton at 125. So, uh, Adrian Peterson get, coming up into Hall of Fame territory. Uh, he didn't have a great game, 11 carries, 16 yards. That's only a, a yard and a half average, but still punching in a touchdown. He got, uh, I think he got one or two for the Titans, and um, Seahawks have brought him in to, uh, I guess, um, yeah, be in short yarded situations and get some more touchdowns. Yeah, well, he can he can still do the short yardage thing clearly, and uh, it, it's good to see that he still he still has something to give, something to contribute to a team. I'm glad he's on the team. Uh, Seattle needs literally all the help they can get. So yeah, yeah. and it's a good pickup by them. The only uh, the only trouble that the Hawks had was Gerald Everett. Uh, he had two fumbles and a horrible uh, interception that he caused. Ball was right in his hands, falls off, falls trying to get it, and kicks it up, <laughs> basically kicked it right to the defender. Uh, you, I saw you You watch that play today and went, whoa. Yeah, he, he might as well have just said, here, and just given it to the defender. Like that, He gift-wrapped that. He really did gift-wrap that interception. It was uh, too bad. But at least the good thing is the Hawks still won the game. Yeah. They sure did. So uh, Seahawks go to Houston uh, early Sunday, and the 49ers go to Cincy. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about some of the other uh, top teams in the NFC. Uh, We've got the Packers, 9-3, and leading their division on a bye week. Uh, Buccaneers, uh, another top team in the NFC. They sit at 9-3. and Uh, Tom Brady had a monster game as did his whole entire receiving core. Uh, Godwin had a Tampa Bay record with the most catches by a receiver in a game this whole entire year out of the whole league, 15 catches, 143 yards. Evans was 7 for 99, and Gronk was 4 for 58 with a couple TDs. Um, Man, yeah, they were just firing on all cylinders. Uh, They're looking really, really sharp right now. Yeah, and also, too, Brady... Loves playing the Falcons, loves it so much because he's never lost to them. Never. There was that one time where he was supposed to lose, but still didn't lose that game. But we won't talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. Brady, 38 of 51, 368 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. And then the Bucks' defensive front overwhelmed Atlanta's offensive line all game. Bucks, def- Bucks defense finishes with five sacks in total. Um, Completely overwhelmed the Falcons, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, and then that's that's what you get playing against Tom Brady through the Falcons, a loss. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing that he's never lost to them in his whole entire career. That's pretty wild. Uh, Gronk had the two touchdowns, like I said, and uh, they become Brady and Gronk become the second most prolific touchdown duo, quarterback receiver duo of all time. That was uh, their 90th touchdown together, uh, just trailing Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison, who are number one. So uh, Gronk must be super happy. He's still getting hit pretty bad, but 
um, getting a couple more touchdowns and and getting up into that upper echelon, uh, solidifying a Hall of Fame career himself. Yeah, and all he had to do was play with the best to have ever thrown a football. That's all he had to do. That's all he had to do. <laughs> easy. Pretty easy. <laughs> no doubt. Hey, uh, yeah, he must be. Hey, he must be happy. Gets to play with the goat all the time. Uh, Leonard Fournette uh, slacking off. Uh, four touchdowns last week. Only one this week. Uh, don't know what the hell's wrong with him. He must be. Uh, must be having a, a, a definite off game. Uh, four TDs last week. One this week. Uh, uh, quite disappointing. Well, I think Fournette just wanted to spread it around to his teammates and say, you know what, I, I did all the heavy lifting last game, and let's uh, let some of you guys enjoy, you know, the spoils. So here, get a couple touchdowns. <laughs> right. Get in there, and enjoy it. The uh, the Bucks defense is uh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, they they let Ryan have a pretty decent game, but he couldn't find any receivers for touchdowns. Um, yeah, they just. We're bending but not breaking at all. Yes, bending and not breaking, that's for sure. The Bucks defense was stout against the Falcons' offense. And it's not like the Falcons didn't actually have a good offense run. Uh, Matty Ice, 30-41 for 297 yards. But when it came down to the scoring uh, possibilities and chances and opportunities, couldn't do it because the Bucks defense was too stout. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, the Bucks now have a four-game lead in their division. That's pretty much wrapped up. Uh, they play the Bills uh, next Sunday, the 125 window. Uh, that'll be a stiff test, and uh, we'll see. It looks like the Patriots uh, are going to win this game. I think they just stopped them on fourth down, and uh, they're just going to run the ball out. Uh, Buffalo has one timeout, it looks like, so think they might be able to get the ball if they don't get a first down, but um, we'll see. Uh, as I mentioned, the Packers are nine and three also have a four game lead in their division uh, with the bye week. Uh, they play the bears on the Sunday nighter coming up. So uh, that will be, uh, that should be a pretty good game. Um, the only other NFC team that really deserves mentioning at the top is Dallas who beat the Saints on Thursday and sit eight and four comfortably on top of the NFC East and looking all right. Uh, I guess we could mention Washington. They won a tight one against Vegas. Um, it was basically Antonio Gibson versus Josh Jacobs. Gibson had 28 touches. Jacobs had 22 and um, yeah, super dominant performance by Gibson, uh, but a really tight one, 17, 15 over the Raiders. Yeah, really tight. Heineke continues to play well. Uh, had another solid outing, 23 of 30, 196 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, he did enough uh, to beat the Raiders, who are spiraling right now. They, they, they can't seem to be doing anything right at this point in time. <laughs> I mentioned the Raiders, and um, we had uh, some – Information that came out today about Kenyon Drake. Uh, he broke his ankle and was taken off uh, on a stretcher, uh, gone for the rest of the season. And he shed a lot of light on uh, a problem that he sees in the NFL right now. I've got a couple quotes from him. 
he said the NFL needs to look at this specific style of tackling. Uh, and he shared a graphic video of the injury uh, in his post. He said they're throwing flags for taunting and protecting quarterbacks from getting touched. But this is my second straight season being injured by a guy pulling me back and using his body weight to just roll up my legs. And it happened again for the second year. Uh, he goes on to say, if the emphasis is to protect the players, this should be an illegal form of tackling like a horse collar. Uh, we lose players weekly to high ankle sprains and broken bones, but the league would rather flag players for erroneous taunting penalties. Let's get our priorities together. Uh, I fully agree with him, especially I can't believe all the crap that's been going on about the taunting and uh, you, you basically blow on a quarterback these days and you get a, a 15 yard penalty. It's really starting to bother me because uh, the NFL injury list is just so massively long every week and we can't have guys uh, targeting guys legs and taking them out. Uh, this is the second straight year. He's going to miss the Raiders have been decimated with injuries to the running back position. And um, yeah, I think, I think he's bang on with these comments. Yeah, he has, he definitely has a point. He, he most certainly has a point where he's just like, I, I think our priority should be on, you know, like the fundamentals of the game. And that should be legislated out of the game, that kind of tackling. And he's absolutely right, because look at how many people it's injuring. Look at how many players are being injured. You're superstar players, players that represent the NFL and represent the league, now can't play in the game because they're hurt. So, yes, he does have a point. And, yes, they should look at it. They should. Yeah. Or else, you know, then you just have guys like Derrick Henry, who everybody wants to see. But now you can't watch him because he's injured, you know. So I, 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 I think he does bring up a valid point. It's something that the NFL should look into for sure. Yeah. And, uh, yes, I know, obviously, taunting and the sportsmanship. Yes, that's important. But these injuries, I think, are really important as well. Yeah, to address. yeah. I agree. Yeah. No, I'm glad he shed some light on it and hopefully – some of the people in the rules committee uh, and the referees can, uh, yeah, start addressing it. Cause um, yeah, we don't want to see these uh, superstars getting uh, injured and, uh, you know, possibly uh, shortening their careers. It's not, uh, it's not cool at all. Uh, okay. We've covered the NFC East except for the finally hell has frozen over and the Detroit lions have a victory. Uh, I thought they were going to go the whole entire year without a win, but, they pulled off a victory against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Dan Campbell finally doesn't have to cry this week. And uh, Jared Goff celebrated like he won the Super Bowl. They have a win. Can you believe it? No, no. I, I thought it was a typo, to be honest with you. I was like, oh, that can't be right. Just going to change the channel, see if that's actually a real thing. Oh, it, it was. I was like, oh, my goodness. They, they won. Made <laughs> yeah. it go, man. And I, yeah. Impressive win, actually. Impressive. Impressive that it took them a year to win another game. <laughs> yeah, that 300, 364 days it was uh, since when. So, uh, yeah, congratulations. Um, they dedicated the victory, Dan Campbell did, to the, uh, the people that were lost in the latest school shooting in Mich Michigan. Um, shocking that this continues to be 
something that we see on a yearly basis, uh, many of these school shootings. It's just tragic. Uh, I, I can't believe this keeps going on and they, they have to deal with this so often, don't they? Yeah, and what's actually even more tragic is the fact that we're getting used to it. Yeah. And that is super problematic. That should be, this should be something that we should never, ever, ever get used to. Okay, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's uh, rough, uh, rough to hear about that. Uh, okay, so the Patriots uh, have won their seventh in a row. They started two and four. Uh, now they sit at nine and four, top seed in the AFC, and the hoodie pulled off a win. Uh, their play selection tonight was 45 runs, three passes, and uh, those conditions helped them. Uh, now they got a game-and-a-half lead on the AFC East and the top team in the whole entire conference. Uh, shocking for everyone. Uh, a lot of people started questioning maybe it was maybe it was Brady that was uh, the genius uh, and the reason why they won all those titles there because he won this one last year. But um, after one down year, boom, they're right back up and uh, top of the conference. Well, I guess you could say that Belichick had a little something to do with it, I guess, just a little bit. But let's be honest, they're a team, they're a duo. They both had each other to boost the Patriots into this, this freaking godlike team or godlike run that they had, right? So, and hey, the hoodie can still coach clearly, yeah. and he still knows what he's doing clearly. Because how many other coaches could win a game like that by passing the ball? What did you say? Three times? Three times, yeah. yeah. How many people could do that? Craziness, yeah. Probably only one guy, that guy. Yeah, if you're looking at the screen right now, just look at the weather conditions, the wind blowing, the snow, uh, the balls just <laughs> <laughs> kickers trying to hit some field goals before the game. <laughs> wow, crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh before the weekend started, the Ravens were first in the conference. They went from first to third with a very dramatic 2019 division loss to Pittsburgh. Uh, they came up and scored that touchdown right at the end. And instead of going for the single point to tie it and send it to overtime, they decided to go for two. Jim Harbaugh. Uh, John Harbaugh, sorry, John Harbaugh decided uh, we're going for a two-point conversion to win this. I don't really want to stick around any longer. I'm done. want to go and have a beer. And uh, <laughs> he gave it the ball to Lamar and said, give it to Andrews. We got this. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't block TJ Watt. He came in. Lamar had to throw it a little early, just out of the outstretched tips, uh, fingertips of Mark Andrews. And Pittsburgh pulls off the huge upset win. Um, crazy. Uh, I, I was shocked that they decided to go for two and get the win there. I think they would have won in overtime, but um, what did you think of the move? Gutsy. Gutsy call by a gutsy coach. <laughs> it's a, hey, hey, man, it's either either I get all the accolades or I'm, 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 I'm the villain. You know, like it's one or the other if you go for it like that. 
And I, I'll give him credit. Hey, it took him guts to go for that, where he goes, ah, I'm going to go for it all. I want it all yeah. right now. Yeah, and you lost, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it yeah. happens. It happens. It was, it was ballsy, that's for damn sure. But, yeah, I was quite surprised. Uh, he said his whole entire secondary was decimated with injuries, and he was worried that if Pittsburgh – had the ball uh, in overtime, they'd just be able to easily march down there and get the winning touchdown. And he thought this was his best chance, but uh, yeah, it didn't turn out that way. And um, these two coaches, John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin have faced each other 30 times now. And that is the third most of all time between two head coaches to face each other. And uh, Tomlin now holds a lead with 16 wins to Harbaugh's 14 out of the 30 games. Uh, this has been a great rivalry for many, many, many years. Super fun, hard-nosed football. Love it. I can't wait for uh, Steelers, Ravens uh, year after year. And uh, this one uh, went right down to the end as usual. Yes, it did. And that's the way that these two teams play each other, always right down to the end. The surprising thing for me, though, was that the Ravens, lost this game despite controlling the ball for 37 minutes yeah. of this game. Yeah. Like 37 minutes of ball control, and they still lost. Yeah, Super surprised at that. No, no kidding, yeah. Freeman was good. Um, uh, Lamar was good as always. And um, But, yeah, uh, Big Ben, decent game, uh, 236 yards, a couple touchdowns. His favorite target was Deontay Johnson, who had a – who had – the two touchdowns, eight catches, 105 yards. Uh, Najee Harris is uh, busy as usual. Uh, 21 carries, five catches. And Minka Fitzpatrick with the huge pick. That seemed to be um, one of the biggest differences and helped uh, solidify the win. Yeah, yeah, that, that definitely was a huge difference maker with that pick, uh, getting that pick and uh, changing around the, the composition of the game. Yeah. Okay, uh, another team in the AFC that's sitting on top of their division, also eight and four, top of the AFC West finally after really a tough start this year, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they squeaked out a 22 to nine win Sunday nighter against the division rival Denver Broncos. Um, really a, a not great game from the Colts offense, but the, uh, I mean, the Chiefs, offense but their defense was really key and crucial uh pulling out this victory for them yeah yeah their their defense really stepped up there was only one player off of the broncos that they couldn't really stop and that was williams yeah. he had a monster game that dude had a monster game yeah. 23 carries 102 yards six receptions 76 yards and a touchdown yeah. That was the one dude that they couldn't stop, but they stopped everybody else. And guess what? It was enough. Yeah, it yeah, sure was. It was um, crazy. But, uh, yeah, really low numbers for Mahomes. You really don't see him have only 184 yards passing and no touchdowns. Uh, Kelsey was held in check, three catches for 27 yards. And Tyreek Hill only had two for 22. Um, yeah, really shut down. But. Um, Chiefs defense has been horrible for the last couple of seasons, but I think they finally figured it out and put it together. Yeah, yeah. Their their defense has looked better and better over the last couple of weeks, and they just continue to keep improving. Um, 
as long as they, they continue on this trajectory, it's looking good for the Chiefs, yeah. who have now climbed their way back to the top of the AFC. Yeah, it's looking good for them now. Yeah, they finally uh, put it together, it looks like. Uh, Chiefs host the Raiders next on Sunday, and the Broncos host those victorious Lions. Uh, fresh off <laughs> First win in a year uh, should be uh, should be tough. It eh? should be really tough. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be yeah, barn burner. <laughs> uh, okay, there was a battle for the sixth place in the AFC. That was between the LA Chargers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, it was close, twenty four twenty two, until a uh, pick six. And LA ended up running away with it, 41-22. Improved the Chargers to seven and five, uh, putting them into the sixth position, dropping Cincinnati to seven and five, and into the seventh place. Um, this was a fun game. Uh, Herbert had a great game as usual. Uh, Mike Williams was good. Austin Eckler had a good game, even though he had two fumbles. Keenan Allen had a couple TDs. Uh, looks like the Chargers were firing on all cylinders and got a, a nice kind of a nice big blowout win, even though it was close for quite a bit of the game. Yeah, and also too, the Bengals let this game slip away from them by letting the Chargers score the first 24 points of said game. Wow. So yeah, and they had to battle back. They made it close, but it just wasn't enough. They didn't give themselves a chance to really win this game, as in my opinion. Uh, Burrow did all right, you know, 24-40, 300 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Um, it just uh, the Chargers were the better team uh, on this particular night, better team by far. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. That was a, a, a great uh, run through the NFL, talking about all the uh, playoff teams. Uh, Chargers host the Giants uh, on Sunday and the Bengals host the Niners going into week 14. Man, does it fly? Has it ever flown by? Yes, it has. It has. It's, it's been, it's gone by really quick, but uh, it just seems like this year has gone by quick, which is a yeah. good thing considering everything that we've all gone through. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Good, good riddance 2021. Let's hope uh, 2022 uh, we can get rid of this pandemic and get back to some normal life. Oh, man, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, that's the NFL for now. Let's talk about the UFC event. Uh, we had a, a great fight night, uh, USC Vegas 44, uh, with the main event between Jose Aldo, the greatest of all time featherweight, former champ, and Rob Font. Uh, two guys in the top five in the bantamweight division, a battle to uh, get up there and get yourself a title shot, probably one more fight and you're, uh, you're in. Uh, Jose, the old veteran, sure proved that he is the, the better fighter between the two. Uh, yeah, two, two judges had him winning all five rounds. One had him four to one. And uh, this was a really, really incredible performance from uh, the old uh, veteran there. Yeah, it was. And like this was a huge step up in competition for Rob Font. It was it was the fight to see whether he was able to take that next step. Yeah. But against a guy that is upper echelon always. 
in his division. It doesn't matter what division he's fighting at. He's always going to be right at the top because he's Jose Aldo. And unfortunately, Rob Font wasn't up to the challenge on this particular night. Jose Aldo showed that he still got it. He's still relevant. And he's still really, 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 really good. Yeah. Really good. Sure is. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Three knockdowns. Was able to get some takedowns. Dominate all over. Uh, yeah. Just yeah, just really dismantled him. Uh, <clears throat> he was holding back his kicks early. But once he started forcing them, he really changed uh, Font's attack. And uh, getting some big knockdowns. Um, yeah, I, I was just blown away. I wasn't expecting it to be that uh, dominate of a one-sided performance. Uh, Font comes in at number four ranked in the division, Aldo number five. But um, yeah, his four-fight win streak ends. Aldo's got a three-fight win streak now and and uh, should be moving forward. He called out TJ Dillashaw. He said, uh, we're the two guys that need to fight before we fight either Peter Yan or Al Aljamain Sterling, who's ever going to win out of those two. Uh, I, I really look forward to a Dillashaw Aldo fight. I think that will be fantastic. Oh no, that, that would be a great fight. Fantastic fight to get with uh, two veterans that are at the top of their sports still as, as we go through. So that would be a fantastic fight. And, and also too, I just want to point out against Aldo against Font, Clearly had the power advantage because yeah. he hurt Font numerous times in this fight. Yeah. Numerous times. And I, I think he had Font guessing, especially when he got to the third round, where all of a sudden he started throwing those those unseen, like forgot almost forgotten leg kicks, started taking out his lead leg. Yeah. Just the way that he fought that fight, although was uh master class. I think he had him guessing throughout the entire fight of what he was gonna do. Yeah. It was a fun fight. I love the bantamweight division. A lot of really great, talented guys in that division. And I'm glad to see that uh, Aldo's still there. Uh, he took a, a few bad losses uh, in that featherweight division. And a lot of people started saying he's washed up over the hill, uh, time to retire. And I, I was always like, no, I don't think so. I think this guy's just needs to change the weight class. I think uh, he won't he has depleted and things will be great and boom uh he's really uh really shown uh you know great form uh, since he's been in this bantamweight division and um yeah i think uh, if he can beat dillashaw which i think is a real possibility i think he will be the next in line for the title shot yeah yeah i i can't see a reason why he wouldn't i just can't and i hope that the ufc makes that fight happen they should number one because Jose Aldo asked for it. That yeah. should be enough. That's true. For them to make the fight. Very good point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If a legend asks, uh, just grant it to him and make it happen. So, and I'm yeah. sure Dillashaw would be game. Uh, he, you know, a lot of guys have been calling him out since he came back from his drug suspension, but I think he'd be game for anybody. Oh yeah. I, I think so too. He usually doesn't turn down any challenges coming his way. And that would be, a major challenge coming his way. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, uh, Jason, uh, the Golden State uh, Orlando game is on. Uh, it's it's on uh, NBA TV. If you want to switch it over and keep it in the background, uh, they they were winning by twenty last time I saw, and uh, 
Golden State's uh, reeling a tiny bit, uh, losing two out of the last three, but uh, I think they'll be able to handle the magic tonight. So. Yes, yes, I uh, think so. Um, okay, the co-main event you said would be fight of the night. Uh, sure was a, an amazing battle. Uh, Riddell and Fizdev, uh both very, very, very talented lightweights, and uh, it looked uh, quite even. Maybe Fiziev a little bit. Uh, more, he just looked a little more fluid in his movements, and then finally saw Riddell moving to his right and throw through a wheel kick that uh stunned Riddell. Basically, he just was looking around like, okay, what the hell just happened there? And uh, that was uh, over, the, the fight was over. Uh, Fiziev is one tough guy, and uh. That sure connected and finished that fight really, really quickly and easily for him. Yeah, he's one of like he's such a gifted striker. He's clearly for me one of the best strikers in the UFC. And the one thing about this fight that I noticed between like just um, their composure in the octagon, Riddell seemed tight, and Fiziev was calm. Yeah, and and I think that was another thing that was abundantly clear to me. Was just it was Fizio's approach, which is been here before, done that, not nervous, not worried. Yeah. And but you could tell that Riddell was definitely thinking about the 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 immensity of the moment for this particular fight. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good call. Yeah. You're right. He was definitely seemed stiff. Didn't seem like fluid like Fiziev. and uh, yeah, uh, the, it definitely showed as the fight wore on. Uh, these guys were teammates. Um, Riddell was the coach at Tiger Muay Thai, decided to eventually move away from there. And Fiziev took over that job. And uh, they, uh, yeah, they, they were really not wanting to fight each other. But when the USC said, um, that's your next opponent, they said, okay, let's, let's make this happen. And uh, obviously some very talented guys coming out of that, Tiger Muay Thai, and uh, great to have uh, those guys as coaches. And, uh, yeah, quite the progression. They went from Riddell to Fiziev, and I can see Fiziev uh, making his way up that lightweight ladder to the point of uh, being a champ one day. Yeah, he's got the skill set. He's got, he's, he's got the tools, especially when it comes to the stand-up. His stand-up is second to none. It really is. Oh. And uh, he caught a guy in Riddell who's – Really good at stand-up himself. Really good. Yep. And he caught him in a way that you just don't see too often. As he's moving to his right, hits him with a wheel kick. Who else can do that? No. Right? No. Who else can do that? No, was, Not many. It was super impressive. Not many at all. Uh, that's his uh, fifth straight victory. Um, Charles Oliveira has nine wins in a row. And so does Islam Makachev. That's the longest streak in the USC right now. Benul Daryush has seven and Fiziev has five. So uh, start pretty start uh, elite company that he's in. Uh, Sanford MMA, he's a part of right now. And and uh, I love calling that camp out because Henry Hooft and those guys have been just uh, bringing in killers into the cage week after week after week. Um, and uh, his call out was pretty funny. Vince Vaughn, you want to get in here? Let's go, let's go. And uh, Vince was like, "Okay, all right, thanks a lot." Uh, 
I've never heard a, a USC fighter call it an actor yet, uh, but uh, this first time for everything, I guess. You know what? I think Fizio must have saw uh, that movie Bruised, right? So I think he must have saw that, saw that Hal Berry, I guess, can beat up Shevchenko. <laughs> like, that, that really happened. So yeah, right. Vince Vaughn, it's your turn next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been great if you would have been able to get him to go up, come up into the cage. I would have been super fun. Uh, but um, yeah, there's always there's always celebrities cage side. But I've never heard somebody call one of them out. Uh, that's the first first for me. And uh, yeah, I hope not not a last. Uh, I would love to see some of these guys get called out when they they come to watch. No, yeah, no, no. I, I, it was fun. It was fun. He was having fun with it, and uh, it's good to get the crowd involved. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, let's talk about the light heavyweight battle between Jamal Hill and Jimmy Crute. Uh, sweet dreams put Jimmy Crute to sleep, uh, and uh, man, I couldn't believe how quickly this was over with. Um, they, they were both coming off some pretty horrific injuries, and you just weren't sure what was going to happen, but uh, Hill just uh, put a quick end to Crute's night. Two knockdowns, uh, closed his eye off one of the shots. He barely even saw what shot that was, and uh, he looked he looked amazing. Yeah, Hill's arm looks like it's fully healed. <laughs> it's good to go. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it was just good to see that both of the fighters were healed up and they were good to go. But Jamal Hill looked. I don't even know what this where to begin. That was super impressive. Yeah. Hit him with a step in right hook and pretty much shut his lights out. And that was it. That was that, that was it. Finished him in the first minute of the first round. I did not expect that fight to end in that way, no. shape or form at all. Yeah, well, uh, he was you know, have had a long recovery. Uh his dislocated arm uh from Paul Craig. Uh, it was flopping around, and the referee didn't even notice it. Uh, we thought it was broken. You and I thought it was broken the way he had uh, maneuvered it, and then suddenly it was flopping around like a fish on his uh, on his stomach. And uh, somehow he's been able to come back from it. And yeah, it doesn't look like he missed a beat. Uh, those those shots were accurate, lethal, hard, uh, great, great to see. Uh, I hate to see. Uh, tough, tough injuries like that, and uh, I'm glad he's been able to totally recover from it. So am I. I, I thought there might have been some la lasting damage yeah. from something like that, but uh, good to see that there isn't. Yeah, very good to see. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, can't wait to see him again. It was not enough. Uh, I really would love to see him in another big, big fight. Uh, Jimmy Crute coming off. Uh, a loss against Anthony Smith where his leg just deadened. He couldn't, he couldn't walk on it anymore. That was another really weird injury. And uh, I didn't notice any compromising from uh, that leg injury on his part, uh, even though he didn't last long, uh, it didn't look like he had any troubles walking at first. No, no. Well, not at first later. Yes, but not at first. And uh, I, I think when he got hit with that leg kick by Anthony Linehart Smith, must've hit a nerve. Because it just shut off, like, his use of the leg. Literally. Like, he just couldn't use the leg anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Jamal Hill uh, had some couple of cool call-outs. Uh, I really liked him calling out Johnny Walker. Uh, and also Paulo Costa. 
Um, both those guys uh, would be great. Uh, Costas has said that he can't make that weight anymore and uh, will be moving up in weight. Um, I don't know if they would make that right away for Costa, but um, what do you think of the callouts that he made? Great callouts. Fantastic callouts. Like really, really well thought out callouts. And uh, yeah, you might as well go for a big fish, which is Costa, who's going to be moving up. Uh, to a weight division, I'm going to say that he should have been in in the first place. Yeah, there is, I still have no idea how he made 185. Yeah. You see how big that man is? I, I don't know how he did that, it's even crazy, now. Isn't it? I know, yeah. Uh, I saw a social media post from Costa today. Uh, he said he was kicked off a United Airlines flight this weekend, and he will sue the airline now. He said he didn't do anything wrong. Uh, the flight uh, crew was being very rude to him and for no reason at all, just booted him off the plane. Um, I find that hard to believe that immediately they would just target him, kick him off, but uh, maybe some details will uh, come out over the next coming days. But a long, long rant on social media about uh, getting booted off a flight. Odd. They usually just don't, you know, target a person to kick them off wow. if he's not doing anything like wrong. Like you're just sitting in your chair, minding your own business. And they say, Hey, you in that chair, mind your own business. He wrote, <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. What, what just happened? I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure there's more to the story. I think in the history of flights, that's probably never really happened. So yeah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I, uh, I find it hard to believe, uh, Hopefully, like I said, hopefully more details emerge. But, uh, yeah, he really was very angry and uh, said, do not ever fly on United Airlines again. And was throwing a lot of barbs their way, saying a horrible, horrible airline and treated him terribly and blah, 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 blah. So, uh, yeah, maybe I'll give an update uh, next podcast and we'll uh, hopefully get a few more details of this uh, this that happened to Costa. Uh, okay, why don't we talk about one of the best comebacks uh, I've ever been witness to in this fight. Uh, Leonardo Santos had the victory in his grasp against Clay the Carpenter Guida. Uh, I, I thought today I'm going to watch this fight and I'm going to count how many strikes that he threw in this first round uh, on Guida's body and head, body and head. Uh, I don't know, man. I feel I think it's going to be uh, almost triple digits uh, the amount of shots that Guida took, and for some reason he weathered the storm, and then that was it. Santos was done. He had just completely blew his wad. He had no energy left, and Clay ended up getting the rear naked choke victory, but. Uh, this was one of the biggest comebacks that I have ever witnessed. The thing I was most impressed by for this particular fight was the referee. Yeah. I believe it was no-nonsense Keith Peterson was this guy, was the one on this. Nice. And he gave Clay all the rope he needed. Like, he gave him everything, every chance he could possibly imagine. Also, too, I believe Keith Peterson knows that how tough Clay is. Yeah. And he gave him that. Yeah. He gave him that. 
cool. seeing the shots that he was taking going, that's not enough to put this particular man out. Yeah. So I'm going to let it go. Yeah. And he was right to let it go. Very, very, very good refereeing on his part. Yeah. yeah it doesn't happen much these days. Uh, guy gets in a little bit of trouble. Uh, boom. They just step in and, and call the fight. But um, yeah, Guida's, you know, been an amazing amount of wars. He's actually in the Hall of Fame for his Diego Sanchez uh, fight war that he had years ago. And um, great to great to see an old veteran like this. He turns, I think it's this Wednesday, he turns 40 years old. And he had his family there. He had his brother there. He had quite a bit of um, support. And uh, he's a guy that has an amazing amount of cardio. And this really paid off for him here. Uh, when you have that great of cardio, you can withstand a lot of punishment and still keep fighting. Yeah, yeah. He uses that as a weapon, which is what it is. And he knew. It's like, oh, Santos tried. Failed. And now he's done. Like, he was literally out on his feet. Super done. Yeah. And on top of that, Guida sinks in a rear naked choke against a jujitsu specialist at his level, yeah. which would naturally never happen if he isn't that tired. Yeah, never would he get yeah. that. Santos was on a huge roll, uh, 12, one and one in his last 14 going into this. Uh, he had the highest takedown defense in UFC lightweight history. Really hard guy to beat on the ground. Uh, black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and other disciplines. Um, but yeah, just, uh, Guida just proved that, yeah, he still got it. Um, I was looking at Guida's record and he's beat BJ Penn, uh, Rafael Desanos, Nick Diaz, um, Anthony Pettis, uh, just amazing amount of incredible uh, fighters that he's fought in his, in his career and great to see him go. And, but Keith Peterson, yeah, he deserves a big clap, a big thank you. Cause uh, most referees would have stopped that much before that. We would have never seen a comeback like that. Oh yeah. 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 And it's not like they would have been wrong, but for this particular instance, they definitely would have because he still had more to give. He still had way more to give. So, yeah, great refereeing on his part. So great. Yeah, really, really great. Um, okay, why don't we talk about Chris Curtis with the huge, huge victory here over Brendan Allen. Um, he, has, he has won six times in 2021, uh, two times in the UFC and four times previous before he started. Uh, he came in. Uh, he was the underdog, um, but got the huge, uh, huge victory and, and looked great. Uh, wobbled Allen and just put it on him. Herb jumps in to, to stop the onslaught. It was a super impressive performance by Curtis. Yeah, it was. Uh, Brendan Allen is no joke, but Curtis just keeps finding a way to win. Um, I, I, I want to say that he's got some sneaky power to him. I think it's power that um, his opponents just don't expect him to have. and But he has it in spades. When he cracks Allen, Allen kind of stiffened up. He went, 
what's going on? My body, my body. <laughs> and then Curtis followed that up, took his time, took him out. Yeah. Very dominant win by Curtis. I loved his knockout of Phil Hawes. And then this one, um, yeah, he's really, uh, he's blowing a lot of people away. Uh, started, got into the UFC at 34 years old. Uh, you know, much older than a, a lot of guys. And, and uh, 2-0, and six wins in 2021. Not many mixed martial arts fighters at upper uh, levels are going to be able to say they got six victories in a year like that. No, no, not at all. Like that, that is impressive. It's impressive just alone for him having six fights in a calendar year. That's ridiculous. Yeah, incredible. Uh, okay, the fight that started off the main card was uh, Alex Morono against Mickey Gall. Uh, I predicted Morono would take this. Mickey Gall has just one win, one loss, one win, one loss. Never been super impressed with uh, his performances. Um, he came in with a lot of hype beating CM Punk and a couple of other guys early on. But um, Morono was uh, by far, to me, the, the better man on this night. Yeah, by far, in a way, he was the better man, better striker. Um, he, he just took his time with Gall because he knew, he knew that Gall's real chance of winning this fight was by taking him down. Yeah. So if his takedown defense was on point, all he had to do was just uh, beat him up on his feet, which is what he did. Yeah. He's the better striker. Uh, that was his 10th octagon win. Uh, looking great. Great White is, uh, is, is a force. Um, dedicated the fight to his dad. Uh, his dad was cage side and looked very, very emotional when he uh, made the call out. He said, hey, when we were kids, my dad would watch uh, UFC. And all of a sudden, one day I said, I'm going to be there one day. And uh, here I am. And and uh, he was, it was a pretty cool family moment that we witnessed there. Yeah, it was very cool. It was very cool that his, his father was there because uh, I, I believe he said this is probably would be the one of the last times his father could travel. Don't know if that's due to a medical condition, but always great to have your parents there to see you win in the octagon, which is what Morono had. So it was great to see them share that moment together. Yeah. yeah. Okay, the feature fight of the prelims was uh, Dusko Tudorich uh, against Maki Pitolo. And uh, I showed you the injury that uh, Tudorovich um, suffered. He was run over by a car uh, late this summer and has been trying to recover from it. Uh, he decided to keep it hush-hush and didn't let anybody know about it. Uh, still was able to come out and uh, take the victory uh, over Maki Pitolo, get the um, get the TKO win late first round. Uh, man, that injury was nasty, and I can't even believe that he would be able to recover from that so quickly and be able to come in and get a victory in the UFC with it. It's amazing. Once you showed me what his foot looked like, which was – I don't know, hamburger. I, okay, you forget how tough these, these men and women are. But that, that's ridiculous. Like, if I suffer an injury like that, I'm in the hospital. I'm not going to go into the octagon to fight somebody. Yeah. That, is, that is not what I'm doing. Like, when he took off that wrap, I couldn't, I couldn't believe the severity of his injury. I couldn't believe 
Because let's be honest here. If the UFC had known, there is no way they let him fight. No, no none. No. None. Zero way. Yeah. Yeah. He should have probably uh, let them know and uh, they would have postponed it for a bit. But uh, yeah, he said he didn't want to miss the payday and didn't want to, uh, you know, cause any uh, any problems and, and have this postponed. So, uh, man, crazy tough. I couldn't believe the, the, <laughs> the shape of his foot. Uh, it looked so brutal. Really crazy that he was able to get this big victory. Um, I, I feel a bit sad for Mackie Patolo, uh, the great Hawaiian. Uh, looks like he probably will get cut. Um, he lost recently to Impa Kasagane, who was just released from the UFC. Uh, he was two and two in the UFC, and for some reason, they still uh, cut him loose. Uh, Patolo has uh, run into a bit of a, a string of bad luck here. Hopefully, uh, if he does get cut, he can go back to the regional circuit, do well, and get another opportunity. But um, yeah, kind of sad to see. Uh, it looks like his UFC career will be done for now. Yeah, it, 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 it is sad, but hopefully he can make his way back because he's an exciting fighter. Love watching the guy fight. He comes out to win and he throws bombs. Yeah. Uh, okay. Love the flyweights. So happy they didn't get rid of the flyweights. Uh, this Manel Cape against Zalgas Zumagulov. Uh, man, Cape, whew, is he, he great? Uh, man, he just was relentless with shots on Zumagulov and uh, just dropped him, dropped him first, went at him, just kept hitting him constantly, shots up against the cage. When he dropped him for a second time, Keith Peterson jumped in and stopped the fight. Uh, man, Cape looked really, really, really strong in this one. The hands looked sharp. And they looked extremely fast, wow. like a machine gun fast. Like he, when he started going off against him up against the cage, it was combo after combo after combo, and it was not going to stop. Keith Peterson did Zuma Gulov a favor by stopping that fight because it was gonna, about to get ugly, real ugly. Yeah. Uh, super confident guy, calls himself Starboy, best uh, fighter in the division. Uh, he made weight this time. So he's eligible for his 50K bonus. Uh, has had been having some troubles at that weight class, making weight, but I was able to get there this time. And back-to-back um, -back wins, another first-round KO. Uh, look out to division. This guy's on a hunt, and uh, he's looking super strong. Yeah, he's looking great. Um, he's, is, <laughs> as any fighter, self-proclaimed best fighter in the division, but uh, he came in with a lot of... Uh, a lot of hype. And so now maybe he can start living up to said hype. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The uh, Brian Barbarino, Darian Weeks fight was, was fun. Uh, Darian Weeks was making his UFC debut. Uh, Barbarino was supposed to fight Matt, the immortal Brown. Uh, he had to pull out. Um, it was a, it was a close fight. Uh, I think Weeks did quite well uh, in his UFC debut, but uh, Bam Bam was a little bit better on the evening. Yeah, I, I, I would say that Bam Bam was a little bit better. Uh, he, you know, Weeks made a good showing for himself. 
a Barbarina being the, the, the UFC bet that he is, knew when to turn it on, how to turn it on, how to get the, how to win those close rounds. And very close, but Edge definitely goes to Barbarina in this. That's true, yeah. Uh, okay, the fight that ended up getting fight of the night, 50K bonus to both fighters, was the women's strawweight fight between Shayan Bays and Mallory Martin. Uh, this was a banging fight between these two girls. It went to a decision for Bays. Uh, I was a little surprised that they both got the 50K, but uh, what did you think of that one? Yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit surprised, but uh, the women really banged it out. Um, they, they put on a great fight. I thought that, um, uh, what do you, how do you say her name? Blaze? Anyways, Baze, Baze. Baze, yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. Baze, um, I thought she was a better striker, uh, all in all. Uh, better foot movement, better side-to-side movement. Um, just her, just her feet, way better than what Martin was, uh, Martin had going on there. Uh, better combos thrown. And uh, just better stand-up period, and then that was really the difference in this fight. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Uh, okay, this light, light heavyweight fight between Knight and Menafield, William Knight against Alonzo Menafield, two uh, really incredible physical specimens. Uh, loved watching these guys get at it. Uh, Knight pulls out the decision. Uh, what did you think of that one? I thought that this was two. Uh, this was a fight between two monsters. Like, like these guys are so huge. There's just oh, these huge monsters, no. and either one of these guys can shut the other's lights out at any point in time. I was surprised that the the fight actually made it to this, like the decision. I was really surprised at that. Uh, but William Knight, he did enough to beat uh, Menafield. I thought he was the busier fighter, which helped. And also, too, uh, took his time taking advantage of the, the spots in the fight that he could. Pushed them up against the cage, positioning that he had throughout the course of the fight. And uh, Menafield just, he just wasn't busy enough, in my opinion. And then that's how Knight won the fight. Knight was the busier fighter throughout the course of this fight. That's true, yeah. Uh the only other fight uh, I just wanted to mention was uh, Morales uh, Smolka. Uh, Lewis Smolka ended up uh, getting a tight clinch on Morales and, and trying to bring him in close to get him, feed him a couple knees. And Morales just broke through with a big right overhand. And boom, Smolka just fell down like a sack of potatoes. And the fight was over. Uh, great way to get out of a tight clinch by just throwing a shot like that. Yeah, yeah. Great way of doing it by knocking out your opponent and winning the fight. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Textbook. Textbook. Yeah. No, that was a hell of a shot. It was pretty incredible. Uh, Dana White was quite generous with his bonuses. He gave out um, five bonuses. Plus, he also said that he was going to give Aldo and Font some bonuses that were off the books. And uh, I didn't go into details on that, but he said uh, they deserved it as well. So, um, he gave Clay Guida a, a 50K bonus. That is his 10th performance bonus in a Hall of Fame career. Um, the other bonuses went to Fiziev, Jamal Hill, Chris Curtis, and as I mentioned, the female Cheyenne and 
Sham Bays and Mallory Martin. So, um, yeah, good for them. They all get 50K. Uh, great fights all around. Uh, I think there's um, a couple of news and notes I want to mention uh, with the UFC. Um, Diego Sanchez uh, has COVID, and uh, they – Say that uh, he's in uh, severe, severe, severe trouble hospital, and uh, he might not make it. Um, they oh. say, yeah, he is. Uh, he is in serious ICU. Um, I have a little bit of. I think I have a little bit of details, but he. Uh, he has pneumonia really bad. He has blood clots throughout his body. Uh, he is unvaccinated and uh, is clinging to his, for his life uh, in the hospital. Um, really, really tough. Uh, a lot of um, mixed martial artists and USC veterans have reached out and, uh, and gave their well wishes to him. But um, yeah, really, really sad news. Uh, we mentioned I mentioned Diego uh, with his legendary Hall of Fame fight with Clay Guida, but um, yeah, let's uh, send some prayers and good thoughts to Diego. Uh, hopefully, he can make his way out of this COVID mess. Yeah, uh, we don't ever want to see anybody be affected to, like this uh, to this extent by COVID, and pray that the pray that the man can get through this and uh, doesn't lose his life over it. Uh, there was a. Uh, there was a post on um, on his uh, Twitter feed, and I'm not sure if he posted it or uh, one of his friends or family. Um, uh, he said, this has been the fight of my life. Uh, no fight camp or opponent has ever dominated me like this. Uh, it's been a long fight last night, and I think maybe I finally want to round this past evening with the help of my corner god jesus and the holy spirit and many candles and prayers lit in the hearts of all my loved ones hopefully i can make it through um but yeah as i said um rough to hear uh i'm saddened that he didn't uh, decide to get vaccinated uh hope that's not a huge factor on one of the reasons why it's hitting him so bad hope not uh you never know until you know, but uh, this, 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 uh, this experience, if he gets through it, may enlighten him to get the vaccination shot. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But first, he's got to get past this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, very funny week. Uh, Kamzat Chemayev has just started calling out everyone and anyone. Uh, the two guys that uh, he's called out recently i'm not really sure why uh brock lesnar and uh, daniel cormier two retired heavyweights uh, he's just deciding to just throw it out there to everyone uh retired guys and heavyweights uh why is he making these call outs i think he just wants to put his name out there so he's just going to call out everybody he, he should just call out the entire roster ufc roster i call out everybody that, that's what he should just do. That, that that would probably be more effective to what he's trying to do. But the ones that he did call out that I thought were that, that garnered some attention and some some people responding back was Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor. Interesting. 
And they actually responded. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, uh, Dana White said that Nate Diaz wants no part of him. Why would he? He said, yeah. no, it's not big enough payday. And, uh, you know, the guy's, the guy's just a killer right now. Why bother? So he doesn't uh, blame him, but he doesn't think that Nate wants any part of him. Not sure about Connor, who Connor wants, but uh, he's sure looking jacked these days. And, uh, yeah, I think he's recovering quite well from this broken leg. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw a picture of him. I think he was weighing in at 190. Jesus. Great. Yeah. Wow. So he, he he's 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 put on a little bit of size. He's put yeah. on a little bit of size. I don't I don't think he can fight at 170 though. I think the people would be too big even though he's he's muscular and quite jacked. I just don't think size-wise uh he would match up well with maybe very many 170 pounders. Yeah, that's why he fights at. That's why he has to fight at one fifty-five and then one forty-five. Well, we saw what that did to him. That was way too much. He yeah. can't fight at one forty-five either. I think one fifty-five is his happy medium. And yeah, I, I agree with you. One seventy. Those guys are a little too big. I think that's why Masvidal calls him uh, the midget or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Uncle Dana got COVID, um, said he went to Dr. Rogan and got all the uh, medication he needed and uh, recovered real quick. Um, what did you think when you heard about that news? Well, I guess if you're going to go to anybody, I'd go to Joe, you know, since he's taking that stuff for horses. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you know, hey, if it works, it works. Um, he goes to somebody that he trusts. And I know that Joe Rogan has done his research on the on on COVID. Obviously, he has a lot like a lot of time. I think that Spotify money that he got for his podcast really helped in that respect. But yes, like it, hey, it worked. He got over it. He's good. And also, too, Uncle Dana is double vaccinated, so it was never going to. Hopefully, it was never going to hit him too hard. Clearly, didn't. He's good to go. Yeah, good to go. Good to go. Glad to see that. Um, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, just announced that he was offered massive, massive money to fight uh, Money Mayweather uh, in 2020. They uh, threw out uh, tens of millions of dollars uh, for him, and he decided to turn that down. Um that would have been uh, that. That would have been awesome. But uh, he was—he's never really been uh, the stand-up guy like Connor was. Uh, I think it would have been probably not the greatest matchup. No, no, I think that was a smart move on his part. He knows what his capabilities are, and they're not in the stand-up, and they're certainly not in boxing, not yeah. to that extent, anyways. So, yeah, that was a smart, astute business move on Habib's heart part. Can't do that. Speaking of boxing, uh, Tommy Fury pulled out of the fight with Jake Paul, and now uh, supposedly we've got uh, Tyron Woodley, Jake Paul 2. Um, any interest in this? Yeah, okay, that's cool. That's good. That's good stuff. Um, unfortunately for me, no interest until, like I've said to you before, he decides to fight a real boxer. When he decides to do that, I'll tune in. Until then, this is just exhibition nonsense. So good stuff. Yeah, forget it. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, especially uh, with Woodley, the way he fights now. Uh, I, I got no interest. I'm not going to tune in. I'm not going to get sucked in. No, you can't suck me in. <laughs> uh, okay, we're uh, less than a week away from a phenomenal card, UFC 269. Uh, reservations uh, we have together to watch this. Can't wait. The days are counting down. Uh, we've got a, two title fights on the way. Uh, Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier. Um, to me, this could be one of the best fights in our lifetime. Yeah, I, I am super looking forward to this fight. I think it's out of all the fights on this card, on the prelim cards, this is the fight I'm looking forward to the most because this is between two uh two two veterans in the UFC that have fought for so freaking long yeah, yeah. to get to this point. Yeah. Both of them have. And awesome. now that Olivera actually has the belt and Poirier wants the belt, these guys are going to put it all on the line yeah. to see who's the better man at the end of the night. Yeah. I am super excited. I cannot wait for this fight. Yeah. I'm super, super, super excited. Yeah, I think both these guys are at the pinnacle of their career, and uh, it's so nice to see. Uh, too often in boxing, we saw guys at the pinnacle, and they wouldn't fight each other, but I'm so happy the USC is making this happen. Poirier took a little shift away from getting the title and going after Connor, getting a big payday, but uh, now he wants the belt, and uh, he wants to prove he's the top man in that uh, division, and uh, but man, Oliveira, just, uh, a steady climb up the ranks and, and finally up to the upper echelon after so many years at it, uh, incredible career. And, uh, he's, he has been phenomenal lately. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think, you know, very often we can say two guys at the absolute pinnacle of their careers, uh, two of the best of all time facing each other. I can't see how this couldn't turn out to be an incredible fight. Yeah, I, I, I can. I couldn't agree with you more. Like these guys are at the pit of their careers. Dustin Poirier is at the height of his powers. Charles Oliveira is one of the most technically savvy fighters on the UFC roster. Period. He's at the height of his powers. It's going to be a fantastic, fantastic fight. Maybe possibly legendary yeah. in the scope. Uh, okay, the co-main event, uh, probably not as much. Uh, Amanda Nunes, we've talked on this podcast uh, on dozens of occasions that Nunes is the greatest of all time and uh, really doesn't have any peers other than Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, the next victim is Juliana Pena. Um, does she have a shot? Does she have a puncher's chance even on this? Uh, no, no, I, I just no. I, I don't think she has it. She obviously has a, a firm grasp of like, like she, she feels Pena that she can beat Nunes. And I think she's the only person that feels that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, like, like I, I, I just, I don't see it. I don't see at any part where Pena can beat Nunes. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't. I don't see anywhere in the octagon that she could beat Nunes. I think, yeah, she Pena's going to be lucky if she makes it the second round. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's too bad, but um, yeah, Nunes is just so far and away uh, better. And 
they keep throwing them up against her and she just keeps knocking them down. And this will be another case of that as well. So uh, it's too bad, but uh, eventually somebody's going to come along, but it won't be, uh, it won't be Saturday night. I don't. So, uh, okay. This welterweight fight between Jeff Neal and Santiago Ponzinibbio was actually jeopardized this past weekend as Jeff Neal was arrested he was pulled over for driving under the influence and uh, possessing an illegal handgun. Uh, they asked him to take a breathalyzer. He said uh, he refused and he said he wanted a blood test uh, done. Uh, he said that he thinks that will prove his innocence. And um, so this fight will go ahead. Uh, until this uh, goes through the court system. Uh, this was a very, very, very surprising part of this that I heard today. Uh, a blood test will take between six weeks and six months to get the results back. And once they get the results back, they will be able to either drop the charges or proceed with the charges. Why would a blood test take six weeks to six months these this day and age to get results uh insane that doesn't even make any sense we just figured out like this whole uh um uh, uh figure out this pandemic thing within a year right so <laughs> i i would imagine that they could they could expedite the tests if they wanted to but i guess they're not going to and maybe it's more of an astute move on jeff neal's part so that he can do the fight and not have to worry about the results of this whatever this is going to be, yeah. you know, because it was going to take time anyways to do yeah. the blood sample. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully he's right. And he wasn't driving under the influence and uh, hopefully this can be dropped. Uh, supposedly, and this is another weird aspect of it. Uh, they can only charge him with the illegal handgun uh, if he was committing a crime. And yes. so they said that driving under the influence is committing a crime. And so you're not allowed to carry a handgun no matter what. The handgun is legal as long as you're not committing a crime. So they can get twice as many charges if he blows over that limit or is over the limit with this uh, blood test. So, uh, but I'm glad this fight will still proceed forward. I think these two guys are going to come in. It's going to be a hell of a fight. And as I said, uh, hopefully he is right in his assertion that he was not over the legal limit yeah and i hope so too because uh uh his future is not going to look great if it's the other way going forward but his fight with uh Ponzinibbio, definitely looking forward to that that should be a barn burner of yes. a fight yes uh what about this kai kara france and cody garbrandt fight um man uh i have always looked forward to cody garbrandt's fights uh, it's interesting to see him falling down the ladder, uh, not right up as one of the featured fights on a card anymore. But uh, what do you think we're going to see in this battle? Well, I think this is the first time that Cody Garbrandt is going to be fighting at this weight division. I think he's stepped down to fight. So, number one, hopefully he doesn't have a problem getting down to said weight. Yeah. And it didn't, uh, it didn't deplete him to a certain extent. Right. And also, too, I... I look forward to seeing like a like a just a better version of Cody Garbrandt going forward. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And this is going to be a great test for him in Kai Carl France, who's got great stand-up and is just a great fighter, period. So this will be a very good test for Cody and to see how he stands up against a, a fighter of that caliber in this new division that he's trying out. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, see the different body and and see if he can, uh, yeah, start uh, getting some victories again. He's lost four out of his last five, so um, on a bit of a slide here and uh, not uh, not as dominant as he was. Uh, yeah, he was eleven and zero before he took his first loss, and now has four losses on the record. So, uh, okay, uh, Sean Sugar Sean O'Malley's fighting on this card. Always a fun guy to watch. Uh, super confident in himself, very crazy style, and uh, uh, skinny as hell, but uh, has a lot of power. Yeah, he does. He, he really whips those kicks and those punches in, and uh, he is quite the entertainer when he's in the octagon. So I, I expect some fireworks with him against, the, against his opponent. And another champion on the prelims, uh, Dominic Cruz against Pedro Munoz. Uh, should be a, a heck of a battle. Josh Emmett, Dan Ige, probably fight of the night. Um, we've got a lot of amazing, amazing, amazing fights to get together and watch this Saturday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all of them. Uh, but most importantly, the, the fight that I definitely am looking forward to the most is the main event yeah yeah me too yeah it's exciting okay well uh that's combat sports and ufc coverage uh let's finish it off with some basketball as usual and uh let's talk about the two games that the phoenix suns and the golden state warriors played against each other this past week uh two two pivotal matchups um one victory each uh, Suns were dealt a big blow with Devin Booker getting hurt, but uh, uh, probably nothing super serious out for a few games. Uh, Warriors and Suns both sitting at 19 and four, uh, three games ahead of the other top teams in the league. And um, yeah, really, really playing some fantastic ball. It was great to see them battle e- each other. I really wish that Booker hadn't been hurt so we could get a proper gauge on the whole team, but. What did you think of these two games? I, I loved it. Uh, I loved the games because it, it for sure demonstrated that the fact that these two are these two teams are the best teams in the NBA right now. Um, offensive efficiency, uh, defensive pressure, they have it all, both these teams. And, uh, you know, like for me, the first game where Steph wasn't shooting well, I'm like, well, that's going to change the next game. He's not going to have a couple games back to back where he shoots poorly. And that did, did change. Yeah. And then also too, like, you know, you, you look at these two teams, the way that they play, the way that they share the ball, it's just, it's a pleasure to watch. It's just, for me, it's the way that I've always thought basketball should be played, should be played yeah. with the way that they share the ball with their teammates, with one another. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Uh, super fun to watch. And, and uh, yeah, it, you know, unselfish basketball is always really great and it leads to open looks. Uh, I see Andrew Wiggins got a career high eight three pointers this evening, 28 points. Golden State's up 113.91 Orlando, getting their 20th victory uh, in, uh, out of the first 24 games. 
Uh, yeah, I, I love it. Uh, they will play each other on Christmas Day next. So uh, that'll be must-see TV. Uh, I'll be watching that for sure and uh, enjoying uh, my, <laughs> my Christmas Day with a little bit of basketball as usual. But with uh, the two top teams in the league uh, facing off each other, it's going to be great. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. I'm super looking forward to that because Christmas Day is always like that. That's the NBA's day. They've got a gr- bunch of great games that they put on for their fans. And uh, it's uh, it's it's good to have NBA basketball on as you're enjoying your Christmas with your friends and family. Yeah. Uh, okay, the other two teams in the uh, Western Conference that are playing well right now are the Jazz and the Grizzlies. They've both won four games in a row and uh, are streaking suddenly uh, eight and two in their last 10 for the jazz and seven and three for the Grizzlies. Uh, also two fun teams to watch. I uh, love the Grizzlies. Uh, I think uh, they're such an up and coming team and John Morant came in there, Jaron Jackson, a, a lot of really solid players on that team and uh, yeah, four in a row uh, looking good fourth in the conference. And I believe one of those uh, wins came against uh, the Oklahoma Thunder, where they outscored them by 73 points. <laughs> 73 points. Yeah. It, it, it's the equivalent of basically not having another team to play against. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, well done. Well done by the Grizzlies. Well yeah, done. That was, that was an incredible game. Yeah. 152 <laughs> points they laid on them. And I think they gave up 72 or something. So, yeah, incredible, incredible performance. And, uh, yeah, NBA record there. Good point. Uh, there's teams at the bottom of the conference uh, that are suddenly starting to look good. Uh, the Rockets were 1-16, and 16 and they've won six in a row. How have they turned this around? Well, I guess, uh, I guess their young kids are finally responding to whatever the coach wants them to do, which is a win, so... Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it's amazing. But, uh, hey, at, at some point, at one point in time, the Rockets have to get something right. They got to get something right. And this is it. This is their part of the season where things are beginning to click for this young squad. And they're incredibly young. I think yeah. they actually have the youngest roster in the NBA. I think you're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Spurs have won four in a row. They're coming on. Uh, they beat the uh, the uh, Warriors uh, last night, uh, and uh, that was pretty shocking. And, uh, yeah, Kings have won a couple in a row, so those teams at the bottom are suddenly becoming a bit relevant. Uh, uh, turning to the East, uh, Nets are still number one in the East, but the Bulls are uh, right on their heels, uh, just a half a game back. The Bulls have won three in a row. Uh, unfortunately, I heard DeMar DeRozan went into COVID protocol today and will be missed for a little bit of time. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But um, I think uh, as we go along here, the teams and organizations are getting more and more used to the fact that uh, every once in a while, the player is going to go down with COVID protocol. So on we go. The, uh, the Bucks are third now in the conference after wallowing near the bottom uh, early on. Nine and one in their past 10. And uh, they finally have pulled it all together. And I think it's just a matter of time before they will be top team in the East. Yeah. Well, we, I, I said before, 
They just had to wait for their people to get back and to get back from injury or from COVID protocol or for whatever the heck was going on. They just had to wait for their players to come back. And now that they have, well, would you look at the run that they're on? Yeah. Expected. Uh, Raptors have, uh, had a few great games lately. Uh, I was impressed by their latest performances. Uh, they are definitely under man, but, um, yeah, scrappy bunch, uh, fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely fun to watch. They, they come with, with effort all the time. That's the one thing that they have. They may be outgunned, but they always give full effort in every game. And that's all you can ask for from the Raptors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, starting to take shape. Uh, Nets, Bulls, Bucks, Heat, Hornets, Wizards, and Cavs in the top seven, and then the teams going for that play-in game: uh, Celtics, Sixers, Hawks, and Knicks. Uh, Knicks are uh, struggling a little bit; have lost the last three, and um, yeah, just. Not not as uh, good as a lot of people predicted this year. I think uh, a lot of teams, a lot of people said that the Knicks would be up near the top of the conference, but sitting in 11th so far, a little bit of a surprise. A little bit of a surprise, but unfortunately, too, um, one of the players has just has not panned out, which is Kemba Walker. Um, uh, his minutes have greatly diminished. Um, uh, that knee of his that's always been giving him problems throughout his career has definitely raised its head, and uh, he looks like a very much a diminished player from what he was. Yeah, yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, he was uh, such a talent there, and uh, all of a sudden, boom, uh, knee injuries have really derailed his career, and it uh, looks like, yeah, he probably is done. So tough on him, and uh, yeah, he returned to New York, uh, his hometown, uh, but it hasn't gone well there for him so far, so um yeah well uh okay let's let's end this uh it was fun to cover the uh nfl the ufc and combat sports and the nba as usual uh uh looks like the warriors have pulled out a very comfortable win here uh 124.95 in the last 30 seconds uh i recorded this so i plan to watch some of this uh, after we end it and uh yeah i gotta get something to eat too i'm starving uh, haven't haven't eaten in a few hours so i uh, gotta go get some food yeah yeah i'm gonna have to do the same thing i'm probably not gonna get it though because i'm lazy so i'm probably gonna uber eats it and yeah and that'll be my thing all right okay well have a great night buddy uh, i'll see you tomorrow and uh yeah let's have a, a great week ahead yes we'll see you tomorrow you have a great evening and uh I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. Okay, buddy. (laughs) All right. Okay, good night. Good night. Okay. Thanks, as usual, for sticking through the uh, lengthy uh, Complete Sports Media podcast. I want to thank our partners and sponsors, as always, Anchor FM, easiest place to make a podcast. Just go to anchor.fm and follow the instructions and you can do what we've done here. Uh, I want to thank Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, uh, industry leader in technology, performance and value, and V350 stick is something that you need if you're a player. Uh, Christmas time's coming too, so um, go online and uh, purchase a stick for someone in your family that plays the game. Uh, I want to thank Pampas and Possibilities, designers of West Coast curated handmade 
pretty things uh, that can go into your home. And Forever Living, the aloe vera company uh, for health and beauty products. So thanks as always. And thank you. Thank you so much for sticking in and appreciate your support as always. Go to our website, completesportsmedia.com or and our parent site, completemedianetwork.com. Tons of amazing, amazing content there uh, as always. So love you guys lots. Take care of yourself. Have a really great week ahead and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye for now.